oh, it's been five years since the watch came out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed over the last sort of 24 hours seeing lots of tweets about people looking back on the watch. And I think the like phones are phones are cool and phones like when people tweet, oh, the phone came out five <laughs> years ago, it changed my life. It's kind of cool. But like the watch, I think, is a bit more of a personal device. And I think everybody gets something slightly different out of the watch, at least those people who like it. Like with the phone, it's more or less the same thing. It's it's internet in the pocket. You can do email whenever. You can talk to anyone at I any just, time. I, I, I'm first, very surprised that you think this. If like, you look at the first five... I, I agree about the last five years, but the first five years of iPhone were huge. Yeah, you know, but, it, but it was the same. It was it was transformative for everybody in the same way. Like, I think there was less... With the watch, people like different things about the watch more than the phone. Um, so, anyway, it's just interesting to see <laughs> that different angle. But my, my particular... Um, the angle that I like is all the devs going, hey, this this little thing's kind of cool. And now I have cool cool apps for it. And um, yeah, that part's kind of cool. But I mean, that that I mean, definitely that, yeah. happened a lot for the and iPhone. I think that had a... When, the like, apps when, when, it, come, when it comes to... <laughs> exactly. But no, but from when your average... Like, like, oh no, it shouldn't have brought up this topic. No, no, what did no, I do? no, stand by it. Stand by it. <laughs> no, I just feel like when it comes to like impact on developers, I feel like the iPhone and the App Store had a significantly bigger um like economical impact on people than than the watch right yeah for sure for sure that the watch is more niche yeah. things like yeah but yeah, i do niche-er. agree with what you mean like some people like as a user device i think the thing you get out of it is very different depending on the pe- like depending on who you are and what you use it for but i also think that the like the phone was just such a like the five years of the the fir- five years first years of the phone was were just like massive improvements to how we were doing stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Like yeah, the phone definitely had more of an impact on the world than the Apple Watch did. Mm. But I don't know. I, maybe there's just a little like soft spot in my heart for the watch. Like I like <laughs> the watch as a device, and seeing people reminisce about getting their watch on day one is kind of cool. Also, think the the iPhone is a more significant impact on everyone's life. Like that changed how a lot of people live their lives. Um, not just their livelihood with like development, but the watch is definitely a way more niche and it's it's improving on a very like smaller sliver of of like life improvement like it might make like you might be slightly more encouraged to work out mm-hmm. i mean some people started working out because of it, but it's like i think the the sliver of what in your life it improves is way narrower. And and therefore, you know, it's not. But at the same time, I think tell someone. I think people can have a like if people actually use all the health aspects of the watch and are using all of the workout like activity reminders and those type of things, it can have a huge like personal benefit on like how how you're living your life. I think you can like be a lot healthier from an Apple Watch than from a phone. But I mm-hmm. think what the phone did was just like, you can do anything on the go, which was great. Or people who didn't have a, f- a computer were able to actually access the internet. I know that's probably more the situation with Android, but I think it was still like a good first point for many, like many people to get access to the internet. Yeah. yeah. But in general, the watch is more something that the people that got most out of the watch they actually improved as people as a result of the watch. Yep. Well, with the iPhone, it was the iPhone changed how we did things, but it was the device that was kind of the, the center. Well, for the watch, it feels like more the, what it, the impact it had on the people being the center. So from mm-hmm. that from that aspect, I kind of agree that it's more interesting mm-hmm. because you talk more about personal experiences. Well, with the iPhone, everyone just talked about how the phone revolutionized text messaging and mobile network activity uh, access and applications and those kind of things well for the watch it's more like hey look i've had a three-year move streak yeah, now yeah. and i lost 200 kilograms and those kind of things <laughs> do you know how kilograms how work? heavy were you to start with <laughs> <laughs> um, no but i think so too but i think um and and, and it's probably a bit more it's more of a personal achievement, right? Like if the Apple Watch changes the way you behave, you're going to have like a huge, it's going to have a huge impact on you as a person. And it's going to make you feel good about the decisions you made in your life. While as the iPhone is more of a passive product that has a, has a great impact on the world in general. But it's still like, it's still the, the phone is an easier device to recommend over the watch, right? Because for the watch, it's always, if someone asks me, do I need an Apple Watch? The answer is no, you don't need one. But 
there are there's a wide array of things that you might appreciate about mm -hmm. it it's a very different type of yeah. device that is very a lot more strongly optional like everyone i would say everyone that participates in society needs an iPhone. maybe less at the moment when you're not going out but need, no if they need an iphone or if they just need a smartphone, no, a smartphone though like I, I would say everyone needs a smartphone today if they want to participate in in modern life <laughs> while a watch is significantly more optional mm -hmm. And I think that that has a big impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's but right. yeah, those stories were interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like and the, I like to do. There were also some inside stories from people who worked on the watch on the initial watch. Uh, mm -hmm. It was nice to see those things um, come out there. Mm. Mm. And <laughs> it's it's also fun to see. I kind of forgot about a lot of the WatchOS one features, like all the digital touch. Was that what it was yeah. called? All the uh, like yeah. interacting that's still features, around, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, where you can send someone your heartbeat, and yeah. that was such a big focus. Is that a thing? I think you can still access that somewhere. Yeah, and I think you can now do it on iOS too, but it's not your actual heartbeat, I no. guess. It's just like a random heart that's... <laughs> Somebody accidentally sent me... I don't think it was the heartbeat. I think it was, you know, the tappy ring thing? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, and I'm, I, I, I'm I positive it was so an accident. Often. Yeah, uh, But also, you remember how you had, like, the quick access to, like, your top five friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the side yeah, that was such a focus of the original keynote. But that was like keynote. the main thing, right? That was yeah. just... Wasn't there like one dedicated button for this? Yeah, yeah, the side button. For yeah. yeah. Huh. And now both of those buttons are weird app switches. It doesn't yeah. really make sense. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's like app switcher A or app switcher well, B. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah. how do you open apps on your Apple Watch normally? So, like, uh, I feel like I would only need the second app switcher. What I usually do is to go into the... Men, like the, the like quick menu, Recent? the recent menu, and see what ah, I and try okay. to find them so that the, way. The longer button, the side button. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if yeah. I need to find something that I haven't been opening for a while, I just go to the very bottom and tap all apps, and oh. then I get oh, to the main one. Ah, interesting. Nice, nice. That's good okay. to know. What well, What do you guys do? I tend to use the side button as yeah. well because I usually all the things I realistically use is timer, now playing, workout. <laughs> full stop that's it um but nice. if i ever want to go somewhere else just out of curiosity i have i i use the okay so for, for you it's usually like if you ever go to the like bigger menu then that would be intentional okay but you would yeah. know beforehand that you're gonna go there like for me it's like i use a fair bit of apps i think sometimes they are not on the app switcher anymore and that's when i have to go to the other menu and often like there are not many of the other apps that i tend to use but like very rarely i would probably use the like main app switcher with all of the all of the apps but okay. i don't it's not common no almost never what use. do you do zach it's actually interesting that you both use the side button um i mostly use the uh complications like oh. so i've got activity um the time thingy for wherever i is in the world uh carrot weather calendar messages and home as my complications on mm -hmm. the uh, whatever the new watch face is the infograph wait, wait what and is then home other, what is the home, home the like for home kit things oh okay so like tap it turn on some lights mm -hmm. tap it again turn off some lights um mm. it doesn't display any information it's not useful in that sense on the yeah. home screen but it's just a quick launcher to get into the home uh, and then otherwise i tap the the digital crown to bring up the honeycomb and i have it positioned so that most of my frequently launched apps are within like tappable distance mm -hmm. of that first um, tap i'll sometimes have to fish around the home screen for an app but i don't do that too often so mm. yeah uh otherwise occasionally siri but that's usually more like when no one's around and it's just like <laughs> i'm lazy so um, interesting yeah i find home not very reliable on my watch i constantly have not uh, responding as uh, as the state that my accessories are in mm -hmm. while all other devices are i wonder if that's because we're can... using homebridge for some of our devices no it's like even the things that have like normal home kit support okay. like right now i just checked my home pod is not accessible for some reason oh, while wow. it is on all other devices mm. that's interesting but even good. even if i try to turn lights on and off with Siri on my watch. It sometimes mm -hmm. doesn't work. Oh, well, with okay. the HomePod, it always works. So my watch is just unreliable. Maybe you with should HomeKit. get your phone with your watch checked. <laughs> but I mean, everything but else But if it's works. Siri as well. Fix your Wi-Fi. Oh, I don't. No, you don't, you don't <laughs> want to get started. <laughs> Forget this, I said This Wi-Fi is perfect. We're, we're, we're okay, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <No. laughs> but yeah, no, it's cool. Um, did, did both of you have an Apple Watch on day one? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, 
the developer edition or the normal one? The normal one. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think I don't think there's been a year when I bought an Apple Watch and didn't get it on day one. No, definitely. Okay, nice. yeah. I tend to Fair enough. either reserve for pickup in the store so I can mm-hmm. get it on day one or just be lucky and able to get it in as an order and get it delivered. But in yeah, general, yeah. I, I feel like if I'm going to buy it, I may as well buy it on the first day because otherwise it's like time when the when the device is aging, right? And it's going to be older and older and I'm going to get less and less benefits. Out I of mean, it. realistically, we upgrade every year. Yeah. So any day you get it later, yeah. you just pay more for a shorter period. It makes no sense. Mm. Um, but it was also a time still when getting things on day one was a bit harder. Mm. So we usually had like, we ordered multiple just in case as backup orders, different stores, pickup and home delivery. And then we ended up with like four or five watches on day one. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we, we distributed them to other people who didn't get their their watches otherwise. So. Yeah. Look, if I'd known you at the time, I probably would have taken one off your hands. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's the thing. It was it was quite a skill to get things. Uh, I know. On day I one. know. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's it's sort of like WWDC tickets back in the days. Speaking of, did you see the um, special event thing that Apple had for accessibility for European people for some reason? I saw something about it, and I saw a few people on Twitter who got invited, but I didn't mm. do much research into it because I myself did not get an invitation. <laughs> but what does this entail? <laughs> so who cares if you're not invited? So it seems like Apple kind of experimented with how to potentially do a dub dub style session thing uh, before to committing to it for a dub dub. So there seems to be some kind of special event similar to what Apple sometimes does, right? They have those kind of tech talks where they travel to different places. But instead of physically traveling places, because you can't do that at the moment, they had... Um, what appears to be an, an online event that was run through uh, Cisco's WebEx platform. Do we uh, actually know for sure they used Web- WebEx for this? Um, I'm fairly confident. Okay. Um, Apple does love WebEx. Yeah, so. yeah, I know they, they, they have used it for other things, but I wasn't sure if it was something usable for this. Mm. Uh, so it was just about accessibility on their platform, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a session with a Q&A, and you could even book... Like a consultation mm. that you would then have with Apple engineers. So that seems to be fairly similar to what we might see at WWDC. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. And uh, I mean, yes, they probably just wanted to have a, this event in general, but it was definitely a good way of testing out uh, this format. Um, I would be interested to hear a bit more about how it went. I think it was supposed to have happened yesterday on April 23rd. Um, have you guys yep. seen anything from people who actually went to this? Nope. My guess is there's probably an NDA of some yeah, kind yeah. involved. What Apple does NDAs? I've not heard of. <laughs> have you have you heard no, of no, anyone who sorry. actually went, Kai? Uh, no, no. Because I'm curious to see how many people went, um, and how this actually. Yeah, that would out. be interesting. Like the logistics of how it was run. Yeah, yeah. Because the way they describe it is that there was a that, that you should be able to ask questions both during and after the session. And then you should mm-hmm. be able to sign up for individual consultation. I assume the individual consultations would be like first come first. What do you say? First come first serve. 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 <laughs> yeah. I haven't eaten in a while. <laughs> first come first access to engineer. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the saying. Um, no, but I, I assume this might be sort of like when you book a lab on, like, if you want to book like a um, like a consultation, consultation at, at WWDCC, yeah. it might be something like that where they have like a limited amount of spots, and then it's like first come first serve, and people can get it if they want to. But at the same mm-hmm. time, if this was only sent out to limited people, maybe it was just enough people to like enough consultation spots for everyone i mean it's still probably calendar where you pick your time slot and you get it right yep, yep. um the during part is interesting though yeah because uh, that's never been the what's thing it like, a, like what's the session where people could interrupt and say wait a minute <gasps> what do you mean with this line like i don't know i don't, I don't, I don't know. feel like that's i mean that's not very common for anyone to do it that way and uh, but i feel like th- th- that indicates that it, this was quite a small event with very few people yeah, yeah. invited so i'm curious if if this would be the format that they uh, sort of take on wwdc as well i'm curious how the i don't think they can that part like during the session asking questions that means either they run the question uh, the, the sessions a hundred times with like 10 slots each mm-hmm. 
or or it's going to be a total chaos. I don't think that will it happen. It could be. I think someone spoke about that on... I think they talked about this on Core Intuition as an approach that you sort of like just write down your questions and you submit them and then they're being sorted. So you yeah, you might be able to like sense. submit it during it, but they're not going to respond to them until after mm. the session. Uh, yeah. So that would make sense. That seems like a mm. reasonable format to go with. Mm. Um, I am curious to see how, how this translates to WWDC. So do you... I, I feel like... It's not WWDC would not be invitation only. I think that's something that would have like slots available for reservation or like ticket sales, like something like WWDC at the moment, but in an online way. So you should be able to like you would be able to register beforehand, and then I assume you would also be able to register for individual consultations afterwards. Hmm. Um, uh, but I'm curious to see how this so will work. And so, do you expect? Dubbed up DC tickets like the digital ones to that you have to pay. I think so. Uh, I mean, you shouldn't have to pay to watch the sessions because that's nothing you've been having. You you you're never you, you always get the sessions. Over the last few years, you always gotten the sessions for yeah, free. Yeah. That would be silly uh, for Apple to be like, you have to pay to watch the sessions. So everyone makes crappier apps that yeah. doesn't seem to serve anyone. So maybe what will happen is that. You have to get the ticket in order to be able to ask for consultation, but the yeah, consultations yeah. will still be on a first-come, first-served basis. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of up to everyone to register and be able to get the time slot. So it might be that they let 2,000 people get those like digital tickets, and then it's sort of up to them to make sure that they get a slot similar to what you do at WWDC. But I do feel like the people who... That would I be mean, a weird setup, huh? Yeah, and the people who would get the tickets... If you get a ticket just for the sake of consultation, and then you're not able to schedule a consultation, that seems a bit unfair. <laughs> like, it's it's very different. Like, if you're at WWDC and you can't get access to the design labs, it's like, well, tough times. I'm still going to have fun at WWDC. I mean, you could also pay... Exp- like, you have a calendar, you pick your time slot, you pay to... So, like, a pay-as-you-go sort of thing? Yeah, but that would also be weird. All of this is weird. <laughs> I, I really wonder what, what the solution... That Apple picks. But yeah, f- yeah. Like the payment thing, the only reason you would have to pay would surely be to deter people who aren't as serious. It's not about mm-hmm. Apple needs to make money from this because as it stands, I'm pretty sure they like they make money from WWDC but indirectly. You know, it's because of all the apps that people go on to build, not because of the sixteen hundred dollars that people spend on a conference ticket. And so you've got to think about it from that perspective that it, I, I think if any part of this conference is paid, it would just feel odd. Um don't know. It just, I, I could totally see it happening, but it would just be odd. It feels like incentives aren't quite aligned. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And maybe this was a test run because it, it's also interesting that yeah, we're potentially six weeks out and we haven't heard anything more other than what uh, the initial announcement has said. So it's challenging. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't have to, f- like, they don't have to let us know as early on because, you know, we can literally just join whatever they're making. We don't really have to make plans around it. So it's yes fine. And no. to wait, Some of us want the week off our contract <laughs> to <laughs> uh, yeah. stay home and participate. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. But I mean, in terms yeah. of like selling tickets, I don't think that's no, that right. It it's do. less logistics. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no, no one's booking flights or booking hotels or yeah. anything like that. But it's also. But it would I mean, still be nice to know when, even if we don't find out more details about how it's going to be run until a lot closer. Mm-hmm. I, I think the bottleneck there is Apple also needs to figure out when uh, they actually can show stuff, right? I I, I would assume that there are a lot of things mm-hmm. that are still in limbo, more so than it would be any other. Yeah, year. yeah, and I think e- even if they would figure out how to run it, and they already know like what what they want to show we also have to make sure that they can show what they're planning on showing, right? So if there are things that are like maybe just two weeks away from being available um, and they can delay it, delay it by two weeks, that's probably a good thing, but it might just be too early to tell. And I mean, Apple announces WWDC as late as they can, usually. Mm. And I think they just have a bit more uh, of an option to to announce the digital one because people don't need as much of a heads up. But also, I mean... I don't know. I see, like, there's a scenario where they say, all right, everyone that had a developer account at point X can just go into lottery and you get whatever the digital ticket is for free. And it's part of your, I mean, 
all developers do pay for their $100 per year developer account anyways, right? So you can just say, it's part of that. If you have a developer account, that's kind of our filter-ish. Mm-hmm. And similarly, that as what you would have for normal .dc tickets, right? You can't buy a .dc ticket without having a developer account. Yeah, but again, I feel like if you... Uh, if, 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 if they would open it up to everyone who has an Apple ID, then... Or who has a paid Apple developer account, then mm-hmm. I think... There, there might be people who really want consultations who are not able to get it. But like it's if they let the too, case, right? they, I feel like they should. St- they must still have some type of limit on how many people they let in, right? Yeah, lottery. Same thing, just without money or or some kind of token amount of money. Let's yeah. say it's like, I don't know, like fifty bucks. Just yeah, I think have... there should be something. Uh, I assume there will be something if they have a limited amount of availability for the consultations i think it's makes sense to have people who will actually use it and who are but i mean you kind of have that with a developer account already not a lot of people having having to pay money for something shows that you're serious about it even if it's an insignificant amount of money Mm -hmm. um i remember there was a meetup that started charging like a dollar or two um it's you know not not enough money to sustain the meetup or anything but Mm -hmm. it was just like so to stop the no-shows and apparently it was quite successful at that so it's just like once you've paid money for something you are attached to it but it also means that you're more serious about Mm -hmm. something so i i kind of get it from that perspective if they are going to charge a small i think token amount as you said kai um but yeah i don't i don't think it makes sense for them to look at this as a uh, like as a paying conference in the way that you'd think no. about WWDC normally. Also, so how much would you expect it to be? Let's say... I mean, it depends, right? It still depends. Is this a thing where you get a ticket and you get a digital DC experience, whatever that might be? Or is this something where, you know, is there benefit? Like if you only have one question, is there a point of having a full week or whatever it might be digital dubbed up ticket right mm-hmm. doesn't so, make so sense maybe, yeah i mean it could maybe be like you just have to subscribe for whatever you're actually interested in as but well then then like you don't know what you might be interested in as the week progresses right mm-hmm. you might not know about ar kits 3 but i think they could do something like they announce when it will be and people are sort of aware of that and they can be prepared to watch the sessions and then on the day of the keynote or whatever it is then they will announce what sessions are available and then you can decide which sessions you want to attend and then you would pay for the sessions you have to attend so you don't have to get a pass for like a ticket for a whole week potentially sessions or labs well i don't know whatever whatever it is like whatever it is when you can ask a question right okay because then you would actually get the people who know that they have a specific question for a specific topic, whilst right now you don't even know what will be announced. So it's hard to decide. Even that would still be... You know, the benefit of a conference is you would expect it to be something for you, Mm -hmm. but you don't know yet. Yeah, For a digital one, for for a physical one, you'll be there either way. So might as well ask a question. For a digital one, you might get one of those digital tickets and then you don't really come up with any questions. You don't use it. So you kind of just have a ticket that you took away from someone else who yeah. might have had a hundred questions. And that's why I'm thinking if they do it on a day-by-day basis, depending on the sessions, then that would be a bit, f- not fairer, but it would like give it to whoever actually needs but it. But even then it's hard, right? Sometimes you see a session, it's like, what's new in iTunes Connect? And you're like, uh, I don't expect a lot from this session. And all of a sudden they announce an entire in-the-cloud build system and like a new way of collecting feedback and and generating things on the cloud and pushing from your iPad to a build server. And you're like, holy smokes, I didn't expect there to be that much. And now all of a sudden you have a lot of questions. But it wasn't from the... Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not even necessarily from the description of the session that you'll not... like that you will yeah. under- realize how many questions you might have. And sometimes it's obscure things, right? I, I definitely expect myself to have questions about some of the SwiftUI sessions this year, mm-hmm. but I might not know about it just because you're saying, Let, yeah. what's new in SwiftUI? And you're like, all right, the probability of us having questions about that is high, hmm. but maybe they fit a lot better to the uh, a deep dive, dive into... X new SwiftUI yeah. view type. You're or like, oh. your questions get answered already in the yeah. session. Or in the, and that's the thing, like, realistically, how many questions that you end up asking in the labs at WWDC did you have going into the conference? I know yeah. for me last year, that was almost zero. Yeah. Uh, I might have Same. had one genuine question that I asked that I had prepared going in, but then everything mm-hmm. else came about from what was announced. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's what I'm thinking. Of, I already have nine <laughs> questions that I would like to ask. But that's what I'm thinking. They could maybe you you they could wait 
until the keynote and the State of the Union to open up the ticket sales. Mm. But it's the thing, right? If if you already push it further and further, then might as well say, all right, this session is over. We have consultation based on that in, in two hours. So yeah. you now have two hours to sign up. If you have a question, put in like, similar to what a feedback assistant is, right? Put mm-hmm. in your brief description of what your question is. Mm-hmm. And we then allocate you the, the right engineer or right person to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And you get a ping. Yeah. But, and that seems to be what this accessibility event was about. Right, you were. You, I think you had to sign up for consultation after the event. Uh, you will be able to ask questions during and after the session, uh, and sign up for individual consultations. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's what they do. So the concept might be very similar to what it is at a digit, uh, at a physical WWDC. Mm. You have but the you session, don't get the You ticket. walk to a lab. Walking is replaced by going to a website. Um, you you click whatever you think you want. You you describe briefly what your question might be. They allocate you a time slot, and you might say, "Look, I can do between I don't know, three p.m. and seven p.m. my local mm-hmm. time." And then they try to fit you into that time slot wherever possible. You get a push notification when you're ready. I don't know. You yeah. know, could be something like. And that. then I guess th- there's a limited amount of slots available for each of the consultation types probably and then right you pay or for you that? can only go to like i don't know everyone gets like four things hmm. ten things whatever many i don't yeah, know yeah but then i think i think those are two different things if they would have like everyone get four questions you can use them for whatever consultation whatever type whatever session you want then i think they would have to have upfront ticketing but if they would do it oh, differently man, this stuff is, is hard. Yeah, but if they would... <laughs> surprise! Uh, but if they would do it differently, like, oh, you can just decide on a session-by-session session basis, then I think that would be something you pay for. Why? Why isn't there just a cap? You get three? Mm-hmm. If you use zero, Everyone fine. gets three? Yeah. I mean... <sighs> so it's like everyone get, everyone in the world I mean, who has an not, Apple... That's that. a you lot can, of questions that yes. could potentially need no, to but be answered. I know not everybody There's still slots, yeah, right? You yeah. still give you a slot. If all slots are taken, you don't, you don't get any. If mm-hmm. you're like, wait till three minutes before the time slot starts every time, mm-hmm. then, well, too bad. It's still a, like, as it and is with any real lab, right? Who knew that the SwiftUI lab would be completely booked every day mm-hmm. and there would be a queue that goes around the entire lab area just to get to like a specific type of lab yeah hard to predict sometimes apple gets that right sometimes they're slightly off mm-hmm. would be the same for this right so you think but so, so then you would would you assume those are free then y- yeah that's one assumption right it's, yeah it's free every developer gets at most three questions or at most four questions all the slots are limited obviously mm-hmm. because apple can't just pull new engineers that have answers to your questions out of a magical hat so there is i don't know swift ui has a hundred hundred question slots mm-hmm. ish and uh you can use all three of them on three of those swift ui slots which mm-hmm. means you took three percent of those um right mm-hmm. because you didn't have any other questions and mm-hmm. you're you're done for for your for your digital experience and i don't know um if if everyone has only swift yard questions all the hundred slots will be allocated and you might as well use your three questions for adjacent or other other slots that are still available for you maybe you see look core data still have a lot of open slots you might take one of those but I don't know. I mean, you gotta have to limit it somehow. If you're yeah. not doing it by money, which I think is potentially weird, because it will take so long for you to realize what questions you have. Mm. Maybe just give you a, f- a max amount to not have the same people take up all the first f- come first serve slots, mm-hmm. but still have an obvious limit to how many consultations or how many sessions or how many spots you have per per mm-hmm. lab because you have limited amounts of engineers to answer those. Mm. And then maybe some kind of group things where you, I don't know. I think that seems like a like relatively likely thing to happen. I'll turn, like, I think it would be, either be what, what you said, like first come, first serve per consultation. It's free for all who has a Apple, um, Apple developer account with a cap, with a cap, or, or you would have to pay upfront. And then it's, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a lottery and you're lucky if the sessions that you hoped to be there are there and you're lucky if you can get consultation time and ask questions. Mm. But then, then I think they need to charge a token amount because otherwise everyone yeah. takes like all their developer accounts, yeah. tries to 
and uh, also, submit to the lottery, yeah. right? Because if you don't have to pay for it, you might yeah. as well use all your accounts yeah. just to go in. I don't think uh, Apple... And I also don't think they would charge... They can't charge too much in that situation either, because if they still have a limited amount of slots per session and you had to pay for it, and you pay like $500 and you don't get a single slot that you hope to get, then I think people would be unhappy. Whereas if you would pay... $1,600 to go to WWDC, not get any of your questions answered in the lab, then you would still, then you wouldn't be unhappy because you would have gotten the experience. But if it's only digital and the only thing you get from paying is the opportunity to attend a, like an online lab, then I think it has to be quite a low price. And I mean, there are also other things like, I don't know, uh, could be that WebEx has an outage uh, during. Yeah. You know, one of the days. Uh, it's very unlikely that the convention center uh, is is accidentally closing for a day, and you're like, well, <laughs> you know, it's there. Lot well, more. it's closed for months. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm just talking about the uh, no, no. WWDC week in particular, not <laughs> not the convention center <laughs> in general. But you know, it's uh, like there. there is the potential mean. for for technical hiccups during a first ever digital event is way higher. So mm -hmm. I do think Apple might not want to expose themselves to a paid thing as much because mm -hmm. it's like, hey, you paid $500 and WebEx is down for a week. Oops. Oh, well, mm. you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. Or or yep. like for some reason, the booking system doesn't work properly or the cal calendar system doesn't work. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. Mm. We'll see. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. So, what do you? When do you guys think this will be clearer? When do you think Apple will announce? <laughs> I think they will push it as far as they can. So, it will probably happen sometime around the last week of June. Uh, when will they announce it? Though? Do you think they announce it last week? First week. Of June. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, like about a month. I think. Yeah. yeah I think you have to give a minimum, ahead. sort of three, four weeks. Uh, in, like notice at least about when it is, but also ideally how it's going to be run mm -hmm. uh, because people have to make decisions about this you know companies have to decide what their staff are going to do that week uh, how closely are they following along um and you kind of need to know the format so yeah but at the same time i mean you know it's happening sometime in june so, <laughs> so you might as well take the whole month off. <laughs> you know, do, like companies can just be aware like time. okay sometime during these four weeks we will have some developers watching sessions i feel like it's not like a major change for an organization Yeah, I think I you should be flexible enough to be able to decide if it's the first week of June that your developers are watching their sessions or if it's the last week of June. I mean, it's most likely going to be the 22nd to the 26th or the 29th to the 3rd if Apple really want to push the... Well, we technically it had two days of June in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, realistically, Apple could also say, oops, uh, let's make it the uh, 13th to the 17th of J July. We kind of... There were a lot more things we were involved with the virus and things kind of got pushed a bit hmm. but i i i realistically i don't know if i would expect more i mean definitely not more than four weeks notice no, i would think at at least three weeks like two weeks is very tight so like four or three weeks beforehand i expect between four and two hmm. but we will see cool. yeah. yeah yeah no we will it's gonna be interesting hmm. um, probably announced tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Rendering this podcast out yeah. of date immediately. I, I'm, I'm okay with that too. Would be would be fun. Mm. Yeah, just yeah. happy to know. To be honest, mm. so yeah. that's fine. Um, someone's put now notes the Apple Maps mobility trends. So I actually don't know what this is. What is mobility trends? So it's a they've got they've aggregated data from Apple Maps and they've mapped um, sort of how much people are moving so either via walking public transport or driving mm -hmm. compared to a normal like baseline amount which sits oh, at zero okay. percent and then you can see on this map over time where the trends sit so if you look uh, for example in Australia at the moment public transport uh, patronage is uh, 76% lower than normal which um, makes means only about a quarter of uh, as many public transport trips are being taken mm -hmm. Interestingly, looking specifically at data from Sydney, driving trips have been up in the last week or so, uh, and I don't like the look of that, and I'm not sure why. They did drop significantly when our restrictions started, uh, mm -hmm. and it looks like sort of progressively since Easter, it's on the rise again, which is not a good sign given we haven't lifted any restrictions. So, <laughs> I'm not sure what that's about, but yeah, they're down in the about the early 30%. Um, All right. Oh, wow. So, in general, Sydney's data is very, like, up and down, up and down. 
Is that just weekends being down? Yeah, it, it's very much tied to because you're still allowed to go to work. Um, mm. So it's very much tied to the work week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the weekends, it is significantly dropping off. Mm. Um, but I remember seeing that little blip start around Easter and thinking, oh, that's surely that's temporary. Like people did a bit of driving they shouldn't have over the Easter weekend. That'll come back down. But no, it hasn't really. It's sort mm. of hovered about that amount for two weeks now. Yes, yeah, so it's interesting. Vancouver is still pretty, pretty down. There are also some up and downs. Yeah, I noticed your um your public transport sort of dropped and then <laughs> flattened, like eighty percent drop. Yeah, kind so of went into the abyss. No one's taking public transport anymore. But it also, yeah, co- which is sensible, extremely reduced services, and you, you know, ah, interestingly, really? they made buses free. So you would think okay. maybe that increases some mm-hmm. patronage, but no. Mm. Um, so buses are free. You can only board in the back to not interact yep. with the driver and yep. you are not allowed to sit next to each other so they kind okay. of blocked off a lot of seats and um those kind of things but it's it's yeah, very okay. it dropped very very steeply also found it interesting just as a baseline how that walking is so extremely the majority in vancouver i didn't didn't realize how big walking is compared to driving and uh, public transport i know if you had a look at the vancouver data well, it was quite I've, I did, I've, but I didn't pick up on that uh, trend about walking. So, I guess it shows Vancouver is really a walkable city, and that's really yeah. good. And that was one of the things I found when I was there, that it was um, it was very nice. So, mm. yeah, I guess that's cool. Hmm. You picked a good city. Um, mm. <laughs> but, yeah, it is interesting just to see the drop. Naturally, um, USA mobility has only dropped 32% compared to Italy's 74%. Now, obviously, they're sort of both at the different ends of the extremes mm-hmm. there. But it, it's weird. It seems like the whole world kind of dramatically dropped off at the start of the lockdown and it's slowly, slowly increasing, even though many of these places haven't lifted their restrictions. It's weird. So, <laughs> mm. I guess Sydney's not alone there. But mm. Also, um, City, Mapper, City Mapper published their mobility index as well, which mm-hmm. is quite interesting because they allow you to do a lot more um, comparing of cities, which is always fun. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go to the city mapper, I can, I can paste it in the show notes. Uh, so you can just pick as many cities as you want. Um, and compare them against each other and see how they're how people behave. So you can nice. see that uh, s- in general uh, trips, at least people who do use City Mapper seems to even in in Sydney where numbers seem to raise a bit, uh, seems fairly low still compared to their baseline. But that might only mean that people who use City Mapper are more reasonable. <laughs> But I think I think that those numbers are about in line with what the New South Wales government. It's, I think they're actually slightly better on City Mapper, but they're pretty in line. I've heard about twenty five percent of people are using public transport. Oh, twenty five percent of the trips are still being taken. So this is saying just under twenty for mm. City Mapper. So cool. it's very interesting. Mm. And what a time, hey! Mm. I I don't know how we get back to normality. Like I know it's obviously a long time away, but like it's just going to feel weird to be out and about in public. I um. I went for a walk today and this morning before we recorded and I ended up at a shopping center and mm-hmm. obviously nothing. It's actually a public holiday here, so nothing's open, but I went for a bit of a walk through the shopping center and it felt weird. Like it felt like I shouldn't be there and it <laughs> felt like it was wrong. To, and obviously the risk is so like nobody else is around. I'm not touching anything. Is like it I'm even literally open just walking when, through. When the stores are all closed. Actually, technically Coles, uh, one of the supermarkets uh, was okay. open. So you, the shopping center itself was open, but none of the like regular shops mm-hmm. were open that you'd expect on a Saturday morning. Um, so it was dead as anything. And I like wasn't on the level that Coles was on. So I could just kind of walk around. Uh, I've turned into a mall walker, you know, 50 years ahead of my time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it just felt weird. Like it shouldn't have been there. And like, you know, like I, I walked past the security guard and I was like, oh, are they going to tell me? Like, are they going to question me? Like, why am I here? Like, cause obviously my, um, my excuse for being there does not hold out. Uh, you know, you're only <laughs> allowed to go for essential for things, but I had nothing I to buy. To yeah, <laughs> like you're not, you're allowed to go for a walk, but you're not supposed to be in the shopping center. So it's just weird. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Anyway, it just feels weird. And I feel like even when we're back to some kind of normality, it's going to be, it's going to be odd. So yeah, we'll see how things go. Especially traveling stuff, right? Traveling, I think will take a while too. Oh, it's going to be weird to get on a plane or a, even a bus that, you know, you're on for more than 10 minutes. Mm. It's going to feel dirty. But then again, I, I was also surprised how quickly people adju- adjusted to I this know, yeah. level of normality, right? Like, I, I, I don't know if it's the same everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. But here you just, people do, try to, like, not pass each other on the sidewalk. You can mm-hmm. see people all walking through, like, uh, mm-hmm. through the yeah. dirt instead of walking next to each other in order to, to give each other as much space as possible. And that essentially happened overnight. 
So I wouldn't be too surprised if we're we're underestimating how quickly people go back to normal mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I don't know. I, I would just not be as su surprised. Like my my rational brain says it will probably take a while, but I also would have expected to get to this point would take a while, but that was quick. So maybe the return is also just yeah. quick. People are just happy to take a train again when when things are mm. no longer as as you know if if we're like people are vaccinated or we have good treatment and people yeah. are like all right taking buses again yeah not I, a big problem. i agree i think in in terms of like people getting used to like people changing their behavior i, I think it will be surprisingly like people will change surprisingly fast considering that people change their behavior so fast so fast this time but i think some people might just have a different mindset and they think do I really want to take the train? Like maybe there are people who are having a cold on the train or maybe people are just like, do I really need to go to the mall? Or people might just be more cautious in general how they spend money at the moment. And the same with like, if, if you know that you're having a cold, you might decide to stay home because that's more socially acceptable now. Like your workspace might be more okay with you working from home in the future as well. So it might just be certain things that people are like, I think we spoke about this before, how like, um, like at McDonald's, you used to have like a ball pit, uh, that kids get to play in. And then you realize how unhygienic that is. And then things just get stricter. And the same with like straws at McDonald's. Uh, I went a lot to McDonald's as a kid. Um, but like all the straws <laughs> used to be without paper around them. And that was just normal. You just picked a plastic straw that everyone's been touching. And that's like a no, no now. Like you would not have that. And I think there are just certain things that will come out of this that are overall changing the mindset. Like people's mindset. What I don't. That's the thing, right? Like ball pits, no longer thing. Everyone's like, yeah. okay, no ball pit. Exactly. That's straws what. Straws now wrapped. You're like, weird. All the straws are wrapped. And the next time you go, it's like, can I get a, one of those wrapped straws, please? Yeah. People are incredibly fast at adopting to new environments yeah. and new situations. So, so, but what, what I'm thinking is like, people can quickly adopt back to what it used to be once things are over. Mm. But it might but also honestly, keep like, certain if things you think that are about good. It, right? In a hypothetical world where we had a vaccine, I think this is really, I think the how we get back to um, normality depends on sort of the conditions around which we're trying to do that. Like, if it's a matter mm -hmm. of uh, we're at a point where herd immunity is possibly a thing, it's going to be very different to if we're at a point where suddenly 50-plus percent of the population have been vaccinated, which obviously mm -hmm. we're ages from, like, I'm talking way into the future here, like mm -hmm. a, a year, 18 months, whatever. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if I had a vaccine and it was, like, proven to work or whatever, I don't see a reason... I would feel way more comfortable about getting back on a train and, and mm -hmm. going back to quote unquote normal life than I would if we were fighting it with herd immunity. It just mm -hmm. seems yeah, like yeah. it's a very different because really logically you get to a point where you have a vaccine hypothetically, um, nothing's changed then. Like obviously the last 12, 18 months were weird, but like you're back at that square one where you yeah. were before this all started. You're back to the point where, okay, you're going to get common cold and flus and things mm -hmm. by going on public transport and, and all that. But coronavirus as a thing, which is or, or COVID-19 specifically, is no longer a concern to mm -hmm. you, assuming mm -hmm. uh, this is obviously a hypothetical world where a vaccine mm -hmm. worked and you only needed it once and yada yada. And, mm -hmm. But yeah, um, it's just, it's weird. I don't know. But it's also, it's, I think we will have like a swing in the other direction, right? Where... Like after after World Wars, when people are like all of a sudden we don't have to be worried about. Because so you think everyone would just start smushing each other's faces. Yeah, yeah. people will, like maybe we replace uh, handshakes with hugs because everyone was just dreading not being in in human contact for so long. Give um, me some of your germs. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go lick some handrails. <laughs> <laughs> and like people will probably be like. Let, let's travel a lot because they were like restricted mm -hmm. like people will go out a lot more and do but like realistically that's exactly what and... i'd want to do yeah i'd be tempted to do all of that if there was a genuine vaccine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I, I i just think whatever the environment like first of all whatever our environment is it will feel normal f not within years right whatever our our environment is it will feel normal within months we're like, do you remember the old days when we didn't just <laughs> yeah. watch Netflix? That's all we did. It's like, yeah, but people just surprisingly quickly. Yeah. And if we have a vaccine, people will adjust to that surprisingly mm -hmm. quickly. I mean, it will take a while before everyone's vaccinated. But after that, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm a superhero now. I can take the train and I can take a plane. And you're like, wow, flights are super cheap. So let's use that to actually travel somewhere and see something. Some people will not. And that's fine. But I think people will adjust surprisingly quickly to the new reality again. So do you think, 
I can't remember if we discussed this last week, but do you think it will be overwhelming to get back out into the real world again? Say, for example, to go to a concert and be surrounded by 5,000 people, to go to the football and be surrounded by 70,000 people. Like, I personally think that that's going to be quite overwhelming. And I know on the, like, I I really don't leave the house much at the moment, but on the odd occasion I am driving, that Mm -hmm. alone is overwhelming. Like, just (laughs) travelling that distance and being in a car and seeing so much happening, Mm -hmm. uh, especially after the two weeks of isolation where I literally Mm -hmm. couldn't leave this block of land that this house sits on. um, It was just, it's all very overwhelming. So, I feel like, I don't know, hypothetical world, go go get a vaccine, you're good to go out again. It's like- after that first outing, I'm going to be like, oh, I need to recover for a week. Mm. Um, personally, <laughs> it's also, anyway. Like, but- it's, it's mm-hmm. like if we distill this to the most simple uh, example possible, if you start listening to a podcast at 2x, you're like, whoa, everyone is on speed. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, not even a week later, you're like, and you listen to a podcast at normal speed, you're like, Jesus, are they all falling asleep? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're adjusting point, to those point. kind yeah. of things. That's fair. I mean, if you look at driving around, I, I don't know if that was the same for you, but when I when I got my driver's license, like when I did driving, like training initially or, or lessons or whatever, it was super exhausting. Like for the first week or so, I was like, whoa, I, I almost need a nap after every lesson because it's like oh, yeah. you, you pay yep. so much attention, you're trying yeah. to not kill yourself and others, right? Yeah. And then... Then you you drive a lot and you drive potentially every day and all of a sudden it's like you you, you notice how you're not even paying attention you mm. listen to podcasts or whatever to to keep your mind occupied yeah. well in the first weeks you probably even if you would have a podcast on you wouldn't pay attention to it because you pay attention to so much around mm. you yeah and I think yeah it's a good point uh, yeah like it's it's the same when you go on vacation to a new city uh, and you you don't speak the language you don't know how the city works it's it might be like you come from a smaller city and you go to New York like that's going to be an overwhelming experience as well and it's very exhausting to do that type of traveling and but I then think- a month later you're like all right I'm I'm New York now and it's normal yeah I'm I'm always impressed how quickly that happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I'll never get back to that point of where it's acceptable, but I just think especially that first few those first few weeks yeah. are going yeah. to be overwhelming. <laughs> but it's like even if you look at cultural norms, right? If you if you just travel to a new place, like mm. Zach, when you travel to Japan, the culture and the cultural norms are very different there. Mm-hmm. And you probably did a lot of things that that locals would consider weird, but if you would have stayed there for Almost a month, you certainly. <laughs> <laughs> like we we tried to be quiet on the trains, but there were a few times where I thought they probably thought we were loud. Yeah, mm. but those are the things, right? Even those, like we we're already in a world where where a lot of different areas do behave very differently. Like you see that with masks. Like mm-hmm. in 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 Tokyo, if you're on public transport, you probably saw masks during a trip because it's just a common thing people would do if they if they're like having any kind of symptoms or something they would wear a mask while in sydney you almost never see that mm. unless you see people traveling from japan and take sydney public transport mm. yeah pretty well, much now it's you're probably wrong. you're probably pretty used to seeing people with masks mm. you know oh, those yeah. kind of things like we already have like difference in cultural norms and adjustment to that mm. and i think that's that's kind of what we're what we're seeing in general with those kind mm. of changes But yeah, I do think there are certain things that just have a bigger impact on you. I think some things might be more overwhelming and certain things might have bigger, have a bigger impact on you. I think if you, if you're not as used to, like, let's say you live in, like, you don't talk to many people in, like, two, let's say this keeps on for two years and you don't do any small talk for two years. Like, you're probably going to be a bit uncomfortable doing small talk once you get back out. Um, so I think, yes, there will be. (laughs) We we might see, like, two classes of people after this um the one class who did live with people in in quarantine (laughs) and they're like they're super sick of talking to people (laughs) because they've just been locked in with people and then the the kind of group that was just locked in by themselves and they will be super chatty and talkative and they want to hang out all the time and the other people like oh just leave me alone i don't want to talk to anyone (laughs) i go out so i can be alone for a minute (laughs) while other people go out to just see a neighbor somewhere Another human. <laughs> um, sh- this was a very Apple tech-focused episode. Should we move on to picks? You guys don't want to talk about the Magic Keyboard? Um, do you have anything... Do either of you have anything interesting to say? <laughs> Not really. I don't have one, so... I don't have an opinion on it. Okay. Mom, okay. No new opinion. Did, if you have something to say, Mom. No, no new opinion. I feel like I and I, we watched videos on it, and it's pretty much what you expect. So, it, was, it wasn't anything... 
But yeah, I would like it's to cool. have one. I kind of want one, but... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, actually... I definitely think this... Within the next 12 months, I will get to a point where I'll buy an iPad. And if I buy an iPad, I'll probably get the Magic Keyboard with it. I almost feel like you have to at this point. Like, yeah. that is part of what makes the device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, at least yeah. it is what makes this device that device for for some of your audience so if you do make ipad apps yeah that is one similar to when you make iphone apps you want to cater for an iphone se despite it not necessarily being the most common device screen size Mm -hmm. you knew that some people used headphones so you want to cater for that and i think that's the same with a magic keyboard it probably won't be 70 percent of your user base but you want to still make it work for the 10 percent that really care about the ipad and that device so I think it will just be a type of form factor that you want to cater for while making apps for the iPad. And in order with everything you build, you need to have a certain amount of exposure to the device mm-hmm. to then know how to properly build for yeah, it. Yeah. Which can lead us to the entire cross-platform. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to go there as well. It's if like- you don't use an Android phone, you're probably not making great Android apps, no matter what framework you use. Um, no, but I, I, I agree. I would like one as well. Anyway, hmm. should we move on to our things of the week? Things of the week. Hmm. Who wants to Marlon, start? you haven't filled in your pick. Does that mean you want to go first? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Zach, That's how that works. Let's, let, All right. let, let you go and let's give Marlon a minute to figure out what she's picking. Okay. Um, so my pick this week is... The I think it's the official Monopoly app. It's the first thing you search when you go to the App Store and you search Monopoly. It's by <laughs> Marmalade Game Studio. Um, so this week was looking to play. Well, actually, during this isolation, I have been playing online Monopoly with some friends, and we played a few times. And the problem with the version we were using, it was actually quite good in terms of how it worked. Like it, yeah, it was fine, but. You needed to use Chrome to run it on a Mac because you needed Flash Player. So you needed to disable the like security protections that Chrome has. Um, so this is how old it is. It displays ads like every few minutes. Everyone has to stop for like 30 starts. seconds. I, I love that every time you like, it was the same with Disney. You're like, well, this is a great service. And then <laughs> we find out all those things that you dislike. No, this is not my this. pick. I'm saying oh, okay. this is what, it, no, no, no. This is what I'm saying. My pick, I lead to my pick. Okay. So this is okay. what we were doing. And then on Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Thursday night, whatever it is, I don't know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> One of the nights this week, I was like, forget this. So the thing is, this app is like $6 and nobody wants to pay $6 for an app. So anyway, the four people I was playing with, I'm like, I'm gifting you all this app. Go download <laughs> it. And we're playing a proper game of Monopoly with no ads. Very glad I did this because it's actually a good app. It's uh, re- really nice on an iPad. Um, it's like, I mean, I want to say HD graphics because that's how iPad apps were marketed like oh, 10 Jesus. years ago. But, you know, it's got, it's got nice... <laughs> anyway it looks good it looks good um the design is good like all of the i think it's licensed i mean it is licensed so all of the um like the board is what you'd Mm -hmm. expect it's Mm -hmm. quite cool um the animations are nice and it's a good way to play remote monopoly with friends uh you can play on an iphone or an ipad uh you can also play cross-platform so people on android can join in it's just a multiplayer game and it works pretty well uh i strongly recommend getting like a facetime call going or something at the same time so that you can talk to these people don't have audio chat they don't know. They mm. no. There's no form of communication. Okay. So you really you want to be on a call yeah. of some sort on another device. Um, it's probably the biggest like letdown. You can't do everything from within the one app. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's quite good. We did actually. Okay, so now this is where I get to Marlon's favorite part. We did run into a bug where um, internet disconnected as somebody went to end their turn, and the end turn never registered, and we were impatient and ended the game at that point, but um, we sat around for a few minutes waiting for the turn to end. So, I think they need to add, like, a, you know, if the person hasn't ended their turn and has done nothing within two minutes, like, cancel it. Yeah. Uh, but we were a bit impatient to see how long that timeout would be, um, but, yeah, that was our one sort of bug that we ran into. But apart from that, it works quite well, so... I don't know, try it out at your own <laughs> risk, but it was a bit of fun and I'm going to probably play more over the next week um, and yeah, it, it's good fun. I, it's also that type of game. It looks like something that would be quite fun to play alone as well um, because it's just, just in general, so they like, have half the mode? effort of Monopoly is like the managing the money and moving mm-hmm. the pieces and all of that. But when you're playing like against a computer digitally, it's great. Like you don't have to do any of that. So I think at some point this week, I'm probably going to sit down and just play like against a computer or two as the other opponents uh, and just see how that goes. So, 
yeah, it's a cool app um, and a good way to play Monopoly with people you are not in the same room as. Cool. Nice. All right. My thing of the week is uh, TV forecasts. Mm, this is a really good pick. Um, and I don't know if you're now when you already went down memory lane. Have you used TV forecast uh, before, Zach? I have not. Okay. TV Zach forecast is not watching many TV shows. It is an Australian app, though, isn't it? Y yeah. Um, so TV forecast has was like a TV kind of what's what's up next uh, in on TV for the shows you like. Uh, I don't remember when, like a long time ago. And Macomi, the developer of TV Forecast, then kind of went into adventures of other shorts, mostly games. So uh, The Incident is, is one famous one. Stagehand is amazing. Space Age. A whole bunch of really, really high quality games. Um, and recently he moved back to, to revamp TV Forecast. And I've been testing it for, I don't know, a couple of months. And it was just a really nicely designed, clean... A lot of, there, there are a lot of those kind of apps, but a lot of them are kind of weirdly overwhelming with options. And they're a bit janky as they're getting too many options where things don't really uh, behave the way you would think. And TV Forecast is none of that. It's just really clean, very, very... It looks nice, but it still it still has all the functionality would expect. Gives you a good overview of what's what's coming up. It's 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 just a fun app to use and kind of what you would want from an iOS app. Um, and it is I don't even know. It is free within a purchase. So do you know why it was launched as a new app? Because on the App Store it's like version one point oh point one. You said it was existing. Yeah, the old one was I don't know how many uh centuries ago was it a very long time ago uh might have just been to to reduce the disgruntled uh existing users to pay again i don't know don't know why but it's 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 essentially a completely different app with the same name and the same focus but it's, it's a great app so if you're looking for a uh tv show tracking app uh this is currently my my favorite one also integrates with like services like if you're using uh tracked TV, uh, which is a TV show kind of sync service. Uh, it can sync with that. So if you have that already as an existing service you're using, it, it works quite nicely with that. You log into your tracked account, syncs all your progress across from, from wherever uh, you you connect to track before. So it's it's really good. Nice. And it's just a nice app. It's, it's nice to see a new iOS app that's actually just very nice and very nice to use and fast and responsive and behaves like a native app. It's That's nice. Hmm. All right, Marlin. Did you find something? No. No. I haven't found a pick. Well. I don't know what to do. I haven't tried anything new. What should I do? Maybe prepare for the show before... I prepared with other things. Well, I just didn't have a good pick. All right. Marlin doesn't have a pick this week. So, a two-pick episode. Do do. Oh, really? You're going to just shave y me into yep, that? Yeah, throw you under Savage. the bus. Savage. Wow. Marlon's pick is the magic keyboard for the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Marlon hates everything. No, Marlon, you should pick your jumper. It's really cool. It's got a little Mickey Mouse yeah. on it for the people yeah. listening at home. <laughs> um, now I'm thinking about if there's like something I'll be using for my workout that I really like. What apps are you using for working out? Yeah, I just used the Apple Workout app. Oh no, like you're not following like a no. Thing? I'm just making oh, stuff okay, up as fair. I go. Okay, fair enough. Similar you to your picks. <laughs> <laughs> no, which is really good. It works really well. Um, mm, 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 mm. Oh, that gives me a pick for next week. Sweet. Okay, I might pick. Okay, I I, I didn't want to pick this because it's by a big corporation, and I think we should support indie developers right now. So I'm reluctant to pick this, but I will pick Super Mario Odyssey, which is a Nintendo game I've been playing lately. Mm -hmm. Is this okay? Of course, any. We're, Zach picked Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I've been. I, I know I'm a bit late to the game to play, literally. Uh, but I've been playing uh, a lot of Super Mario Odyssey lately, and I really like it for for the Switch. Um, and I think it's been it's been really fun. I think it's nice to play VR games. I've been doing that quite a lot, but it's also good to like play something that's a bit more like. Fun. And I think Super Mario Odyssey has like a really nice colorful world and it's been, it's been really good to, to play that. But, and it still has some like challenging parts. So it's still, 
Um, like it's not a difficult game, but there are certain components to it that are a bit harder, and I really like it. And Super Mario Odyssey is also having some new components uh, compared to other Mario games. Like you have a hat that you're throwing around that you have to use to do different type of jumps. Um, and I've been enjoying that. I think I don't have to describe what Super Mario is, but um, yeah, I've been enjoying it a lot. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Approved. Cool. All right. That's it. Dude, I sent you a link to a tweet. I feel like that is my most underrated tweet. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, is this the one with the meme? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I loved that tweet. So good. <laughs> yes. Good job. <laughs> good good job. Um, yes, it was awesome. Yeah, Kat was very proud. It was really good. I liked it. I actually created an Electron app. For that to for that, oh, I was wondering joke. what you how you how you did that. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, so bothered. Love it. <laughs> I know. That was quality. He doesn't tweet often, but when he tweets, he goes all in. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I respect that. I respect that. It's good.